a weight. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Psalmist said this, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. And on you I'll wait all the day. Anybody like to wait? I don't like to wait. I'm trained in waiting. You see, I'm I'm married. And I'm the father of two daughters. And I feel like I've spent many, many years waiting, <laughs> waiting. And they're worth the wait. But I'm the kind of person that, that I don't ever like to be late. To me, in my thinking, 15 minutes early is the goal. That's what you want to be. If you're later than that, you're late. That's how I live. And sometimes they've pushed me to my edge. But I, but I wait. I like to hear the lion roar. When I visit a, go to a movie, I don't like to come in right at the last second. I like to be there and smell the popcorn, even if I don't eat it. Wait, wait, wait. It doesn't come natural for me, I guess you could say. To me, it's a choice. I have to say, down, flesh, you're waiting. I want to run ahead. I want to do it. But there's a tremendous value. There's a tremendous value power in learning to wait on God, to wait on God. That's what we're trying to get across in this series of messages is that there's power in the wait. Can you say that? Say there's power in waiting. Power in in the wait. Jesus said some things. I want to talk today about, um, well, let me just start in Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at some things that Jesus said. We're going to look at some things that Paul said, some things that Peter said, and then I'll give you a conclusion, okay? So Jesus said this in Matthew 6, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Hello? Do not worry about your life. Now that's, that's, that's not easy. That's, 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 a, that's a challenge not to worry, not to, can I say it this way, not to take cares. He says, what will you, now don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now let me just say this. I'm going to talk this morning about cares and about waiting, you know, waiting to take care. Um, Jesus didn't say not to worry, to plague you. He didn't speak that to you to cause condemnation because every person gets trapped in the, the, the trap of worry at some time or another, okay? Uh, it's spoken to give us freedom, and it's spoken to draw us closer in our relationship to him, because frankly, without him, there's no way you can't worry, okay? You out there today? So let me say this also. Saying not to care is not saying don't care. All right? So when I say don't take care, I'm not saying you don't care about people. But you see, what what cares do, what worry does, is it pulls us into a position where we're not standing strong to be able to help other people. All right? Hang with me. Don't get offended. 
All right, Jesus, he, he shows us in nature. He's, in verse 26, I'll read on. It says, he said, look at the birds. See, Jesus is just teaching outside, and he, he, probably birds flew over. And uh, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? I want to add to that that, that Dana feeds them as well. She is an avid bird feeder. I mean, she opens our windows every day and throwing seed out the window and they just flock outside our bedroom window we have cardinals I'm sure other people do too but we have cardinals that have the audacity to come and knock on our window (laughs) every year they come at this time because they know Dana will feed them and I think it's probably she's she's helping God here you know because he he feeds them and he uses people like Dana and, and uh, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? All right, I'm going to just say this again, because as I was contemplating this message, I realized this, that the devil can be tricky, you know? I don't like to give him much credit, but he can be kind of tricky. And he'll take things that are meant to be freedom, like Jesus saying, don't worry, and he'll come to people and say, hey, hey see, you worry, you're no good. You worry. That's not what we're saying at all here today. We're saying that there's hope. We're saying this, that we can tap into something that will cause us to walk free from worry. Okay? You following me here? So why, he goes on. This is Jesus talking. Verse 28, he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Anybody worry about clothing? Anyway, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, you know, isn't that what happens with grass? You know, I think he's talking about Wisconsin in August, you know. I have the most beautiful lawn in April. It's a bit of a challenge come August. But how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. Now, Gentiles simply means people that don't have any connection with God. Okay? So if you've been guilty of that, I have too. I've fallen into the trap that Jesus is talking about here. And all Jesus is saying, guys, there is a reality. You have relationship with God. You don't have to do life on your own. He's there to help. You know, just like John talked about, you know, just somehow. I've been there too, where it's like, I don't know how this is going to work. You know, and I've, I, Dana and I have been givers our whole life, well, our whole married life and before that. And, and there have been times in life where how in the world is it going to come to pass? How can we do it? But somewhere we get a place where we can roll it over onto God. We roll it over onto Him. And, you know, we, we, we just, we watch our thoughts. We keep it in His care. And somehow He takes care of things. He can move heaven and earth on your behalf 
if you let him. If you let him. I like this. He says this. He says in, in the end of verse 30, how much more? How much more? How much more will he clothe you? How much more will he feed you? How much more will he take care of you? I feel like that's just like the groaning cry of the heart of God. How much more valuable are you? You out there today? Um, for your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. In verse 33, but seek first. Focus your eyes. Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, here comes the wait part. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Have you ever noticed this, that worry tends to be future tense? You know, it's about what's going to happen tomorrow. So what Jesus is saying here is wait, wait, wait in my presence. Wait on me. Don't take the things of tomorrow and try to bring them into today because there's not grace to handle tomorrow's things today. Are you hearing me? You know something we've noticed lately too? Because obviously, you know, there's people we pray for, you guys, you know, our kids, our grandkids. And, and sometimes you can become so caught up in a, a challenge that you know, maybe your kids are going through and you pray about it and you're, 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 you're giving it to God, but it, it kind of tries to, it's, you know, sometimes cares can almost be like flypaper. Does anybody ever, have you ever used flypaper? You understand the principle. It's this sticky sheet of, of paper that's so sticky that a fly lands on it and it can't get up. And the thing is, is if you grab a sheet of flypaper, fly which I don't recommend doing, but if you did, you know, then it's stuck on your hand. And then you grab the other hand, you take it off, and it's stuck on that hand. You grab that hand, you take it off, and it's stuck on that hand. You put it on your foot, and then it's stuck on your foot. How do you get rid of this stuff? That's what cares can be like. Only getting a hold of him. Only connecting your relationship with him can free you from a care. And what we've noticed is this, that, that sometimes you hear about things that people are going through and you're praying for them, which is a good thing to do. And then that there's a mental warfare you can enter into sometimes where you're being bombarded with cares and worries about whatever it is this person is going through. And something you need to realize too is that you don't have the grace to walk through what that person is going through. They're the ones that have the grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes when I'm looking at things like, for instance, you know, your kids. Do you know they're your kids no matter how old they get? I, I've discovered this lately, that, that just when they leave the house, they don't quit being your kids. You know, and then you get grandkids. My goodness, it never ends. It could drive you nuts. <laughs> if you don't learn to cast the care. If you don't learn to cast the care, because you have grace to live your life, and they have grace to live theirs. I'm not saying you don't pray, because we do pray, but then we get it in His hands, and we do our best to leave it in His hands. Therefore, Jesus said, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Isn't that an interesting way to put it? What I'm saying is this. There's grace for today. You can't borrow tomorrow's grace today. You've got to wait till you get there to use that grace. Again, you've got to wait. Wait, wait. There's a guy um, named A.W. Tozer. He's one of them old-time preachers. You know, I think we've read one of his books a couple years ago, Dan and I. We tend to take these old preachers sometimes and read their books in the morning like a quick devotion together. We've been reading A.B. Simpson for a while now, a book on the Holy Spirit. But uh, Tozer's one of these guys that, that you know, you just got to read them slow. But he said this. I actually saw this on Facebook this week. I looked it up. I found out it was Tozer. He said, religion is a guy in church thinking about fishing. No condemnation. Relationship is a guy out fishing thinking about God. You get it? This is how you get free from cares. It's by relationship. Not by religion. By relationship. Now, if you've ever sat in church and thought about fishing, it doesn't mean you're an outcast, okay? I've done things too, okay, even while I'm preaching sometimes. But I'm telling you, I get what he's saying. It's not about rules. It's not about some, some do this and don't do that, do-do-do-do-do. It's a bunch of do-do, okay? It's relationship with God. All right, so we, Jesus said some things about cares, Paul said some things about cares. Can I read you some things Paul said? It's pretty simple this morning. I'm just going to talk about these different, you know, viewpoints on cares and then talk about something at the end. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And, and uh, reading it out of the New King James Version. You know, that's the version I read the most. And I will say this. Well, I was off on talking about this in the beginning. I am like a translation hound. I like to read different translations. I have my whole Christian life. I have at least 60 different translations in my bookshelf, okay? Now you can go online. You can probably pull that many. But, but take heed in what you, list, you, you, you study in, okay? I'd recommend a solid translation that you study things out in, okay? Some versions are not, you know, there's probably none of them are just totally perfect, and I hate to break anybody's bubble, but the Apostle Paul did not read King James. Okay? What I would tell you is this. Always read with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Some versions today, some, some of them, you know, they slip things. They get liberal. They, they throw out things like the blood and that. Don't ever throw the blood out. Okay? And, you know... If you're not watching, they'll, they'll, they'll cut things out that, that are important. So, you know, find a good study Bible that you, that you have as a home base. The way I like to do it is I read a very respected version on a regular basis. And then I'll come across things. And sometimes I just have fun reading, too. Do you ever have fun reading the Bible? You know, Dane and I have been reading for probably the last six months at least, reading the Passion Bible at night. And it's just fun reading. Okay, but if I was studying, I'd probably pull in another version and then I'd compare it. Then I'd, I'd take a verse that maybe was good to me. and I'd say, oh, I'm going to read three, four versions of what that says and see if it says it a different way and might, might register in my heart in a certain way. 
All right. Just, just throwing that out there, okay? So here it is, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here's 6. Be anxious for nothing. How many things? Nothing. For nothing. Well, that almost seems rude when you think about it. Be anxious for nothing. Shouldn't there be some things that you're anxious about? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, he said, be anxious for nothing, for nothing, for nothing. I can work on this a bit. I need the help of God to do that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Can you say everything? everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, known to, be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything go to God. In everything run to Him. In everything bring Him on the scene. In everything pray. Prayer, prayer is so powerful, folks. We need to be people that pray, you know. And, 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 and uh, prayer, don't make prayer some religious thing. That's the thing is you start doing stuff sometimes and, and, and you do it with a good heart and you're doing it right, but then you can slip. I was just telling Mary Thompson, I think this week even, that when I was a new Christian, I used to read 10 chapters in the Bible every single day. And I did that for probably two years. And then I went to Bible school and I got overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed and trying to read 10 chapters. You know, it took me some time to do that. Some people are quicker readers maybe, or, and, and I am a speed reader, but I couldn't speed read when I read the Bible. And I'd try to do that and do my, my homework and, 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 you know, all this stuff. I won't play a violin right now. I'll leave that to Laura. But, but uh, I just got overwhelmed and I couldn't do it. And then I felt condemned. Then I felt like, oh, because I wasn't reading 10 chapters in the Bible. Where in, where in the Bible does it say to be a good Christian? You got to do that. But I didn't start off doing it. I started out doing it because I just wanted to know him. And then it got to be a work. Isn't it crazy how that can happen? You know, prayer, you know, let it be part of your life. Let it be you take them everywhere. Let, him be, let it be that, my goodness, it's not this effort, this, this religious duty, but it's, you know, you know, it's not praying that the, the bar on the corner burns down either, necessarily. But, but uh, you know, pray they get saved, pray, you know, they get free and all that. But, but, but you know, prayer, prayer is just life. Paul said, you know, pray without ceasing. Don't quit praying. Now, how are you going to do that if, if, you're, if you're in this religious mode of prayer? But what he's saying is just bring God with you. Be constantly aware of him. Everywhere you go, be, be aware. You know, if, if, you know um, if you had your dog with you all the time, and I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a dog or anything like that, but I, 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 have, I, I love dogs, okay? So you got to know when I talk about dogs, it's from a place of love. But if I had my dog, I used to have a dog named Starbuck. Had him for 13 years till he went to dog heaven. People heaven, I'll call it people heaven. Um, but anyway, that's what I believe. Anyway, um, so uh, you, you do too, Tammy, right? Yeah, I, I knew it. If I had Starbuck with him, I knew he was there. It wasn't like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think about him being. Become so aware of God that everywhere you go, you're aware of him. You're aware of him. You're aware of him, okay? All right. Where'd I leave off? Verse seven. So he says, you know, 
don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Finally, verse 8. No, I don't mean finally, verse 8. But verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So Paul gives us two things about living carefree. The first one is pray about everything. And then the next thing he goes into at the end is watch what you think about. Okay? Don't just let any thought take residence in your home. Okay? You've got to filter these thoughts and say, does this line up? with what the Bible says. Does this line up with what I'm praying to God? You know, we can be praying for, for peace and or maybe um, what would be it? I'll give you an example. Um, I was going to say this later, but I think I have some, some things here. Our daughter, Casey, some of you heard Dana tell this story. Maybe you heard me tell it. But when she was, before she was married, she, she moved to New York City, okay? And that was a big leap, you know, for a, a, a young girl like that to just move to New York City. But she got a job in a, a fancy bakery, and she'd gone to culinary school, and she wanted to be close to her boyfriend who lived in New York at that time. And she eventually married him. And, and, uh, but when she moved to New York, you know, it was the craziest thing because she'd, she'd be out navigating this big city that, that I'd only been to once, maybe twice, and, and, and uh, she'd get lost in the city, you know? Young girl, get, she'd be out in the city and she'd get lost. She'd call me up and ask directions. Because <laughs> she's used to doing that her whole life. She'd go to Minneapolis, she'd call me. I'd know how to tell her because I know Minneapolis pretty well. Because I lived there for 40 years. But New York City, she'd think I have the same kind of knowledge. She'd say, Dad, Dad, I'm, I'm over on such and such a street. I took the wrong subway. Well, how do I go? Casey, I don't have any idea. But what was really bad is she'd call, sometimes she'd call Mom, okay? And with, with Dana, Dana's my wife, Casey's mom, and she'd call Dana, and, and it was just like a button. Does anybody else have a button? You know, and, and when Casey and Dana are so similar and, and they go through something, they can push each other's buttons because they're, they're wired the same. And, and, and I'm telling you, it got to the point where, where we had to tell Casey, don't ever call mom when you're in trouble like that. Just immediately call dad. And we had a system worked out that, that when she'd call, I wouldn't even be in the same room with Dana. What we'd do, this was not in a bad way, but we'd say, Dana, you need to go to the basement. And she'd go down the basement and she would just pray while I was on the phone talking to Casey. Because if she didn't, she entered into this place of worry, anxiety, fear, and cares. You got to do what you got to do, folks. So one night, Dana had a dream. And this is what I took some notes so I could tell you accurately. Um... You know, and again, not every dream you have is from God, okay? Some dreams, I've heard it say, could be pepperoni, okay? <laughs> when God, I'll tell you this though, when God does give you a dream, he'll give you understanding. He won't give you confusion. Do you hear me? 
If God gives you a dream, there'll be understanding with it. It'll set things straight. It won't lead you down a trail of fear and anxiety and confusion. Where does confusion come from? It comes from the devil, okay? So she had a dream one night. And, and um, she was on a ship. She was on the deck of a ship. And a storm or something came up and the ship began to rock like you'd imagine a canoe rocking as it was going down some, some rapids or something. And she was just on the ship, and it was going back and forth. And, and, and in her mind, she strategized because Dana's a really good swimmer. She's a better swimmer than I am, I would say. But, but uh, she strategized, if this thing goes over, I'm swimming. But she realized, I can't outswim this sinking ship. There was no way. Mentally, it was popping a cork. It was beyond her ability. Then, then uh, I'll just tell you the dream. So basically, the ship tipped, and it's on top of her, and she cannot outswim the, the, the ship and the situation she's in. And then finally, she woke up. And God spoke to her right away and said, this is what you're doing with your daughter you got to come to me. you got to come to me because I'm the only way of escape. You out there today? Is this okay to talk about? All right, I left off in Philippians. Let me, let me read this. The, the message Bible says in Philippians uh, 4 here, it says, summing it all up, friends, I'd like to say, I'd like to say, I'd say you'll do best. That's what it says. By filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse. So, you know, there's the warfare that goes on, is you get things over into God's hand, and then there's a battle in your head that comes with all these thoughts that are not pure, they're not good, they're not, you know, you're envisioning the next step, you know, and it hasn't even happened yet, but it's the worst. Paul says, don't do that. Envision the best. Envision God's hand. You know, just sometimes it's good to just have a spiritual imagination. Sometimes you're praying for people and, you know, they're in terrible dilemma. But, but instead of imagining the worst thing unfolding in their life, start imagining that they're surrounded by the power of God. Surrounded by His presence. That angels are encamped all around them. Is that true? Yeah, it is. It is truth. You know, um, there's a guy, Jim Hockaday, he used to say this. We've had him here before to preach, and, and I listen to him a lot. He, uh, he, he uses his imagination. He just, he just imagines this, that the presence of God is the color purple. That's right, Tammy, purple, purple. And, and, and he says, what I do is just even when I, when I go to bed at night, I just, I just say to myself, I'm going to just breathe in purple all night. Whenever his daughter was a gymnast, probably still is, but she was in, in like high school and she's a gymnast and she was pretty good. Their, their team was going to go over to Europe, I believe, and compete in some competition. And just before this happened, there was a meet and she took a bad spill and broke, I think it was her arm. Could have been her leg. Isn't that terrible? An arm or a leg, you know, it's not good. It's not good if you're a gymnast. I can't even do a cartwheel when my limbs are good. Anyway, but uh, we won't go there. But uh, so anyway, he ran out on the floor, 
and she's obviously in pain and everything. And, and he just looked at his daughter and he says, we can do this two ways. He says, we can call the ambulance right now. Or we can rely on the power of God. Now, this isn't just anybody. This is his daughter. She knows this stuff. And she says, well, I want to go on the trip to Europe. I won't do that if I call the ambulance. What's your motivation? She says, I want prayer. So we prayed for her. And, you know, we'd like to think, well, we laid hands on her, and she did do cartwheels. No, it didn't happen. He prayed for her. He took her home. And he said, all night, whenever you wake up or anytime you th you're, you're engaged mentally, he says, I want you to just think, I'm breathing purple. I'm breathing in the presence of God. I'm breathing in the power of God. Your mind's got to go somewhere. She got up the next morning. She was totally healed. Totally healed. She went on the trip and competed. She was fine. God is good. God works. What did Peter say? You guys want to hear what Peter said? All right. Peter said, Pastor, it's getting close, but we got time. First Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let me read you a couple of versions. The Jerusalem Bible says, unload all your worries on him, since he's, he is looking after you. The JWC Wand version says, hand over all your anxieties to him. For you're his care. The Amplified says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. You see, many times we do the opposite. We keep the care and cast the responsibility. <laughs> I'm just going to go to this. I think it's interesting the way Peter lays it out, and then he goes on from there and talks about submitting yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And we won't go all those places today. There's only so much time in one message. But I did find it interesting that the first thing he said is humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. When it comes to resisting cares, the first thing Peter said to do was humble yourself. You see, because pride would say, I can do this on my own. And sometimes it seems really noble. That thought seems really noble. I can do this. I don't need help. Don't we think that way? I think, I don't want help. I want to do it myself. But Peter said this by the Holy Ghost. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Again, now, it... In this, it doesn't mean to be irresponsible. It doesn't mean stick your head in the sand. It doesn't mean to pretend there's no problem. It doesn't mean you switch your brain off. As a matter of fact, your brain becomes engaged because you become engaged in thinking the right thoughts, having the right imagination. The word cast is a violent word. If you look it up, it means to fling, throw, hurl, thrust, drive out. 
That's how it is with cares. You've got to you've got to fling them babies off you, you know, because they 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 try to they're trying to suck the life right out of you. And again, it's all about relationship. It's about knowing this that He cares for you. He cares for you. Let me just finish up today by reading these couple verses. Matthew twenty-eight, Matthew eleven twenty-eight uh, through thirty. Jesus' words again. Such good words. He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is an invitation from Jesus. 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 He says, Come to me. Come to me. I want you to have rest. I want you to take on my yoke. It's easy. I'm with you. I'm walking this road with you. Um, let me give you these two, too. 2 Corinthians 12.10. You with me, Kyle? You got it. Good. It says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necess- necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. Huh? This is what Paul said. He says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What a, sta- what a statement he made. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'd say it like this, maybe. When I get my eyes off me and get them on him, that's where I find true strength. Okay? All right. Let me just read this one because this, you know, however this fits, this is what came to me as I was studying this week. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 it says, therefore, there, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Can you say rest? rest. Say, God's calling me into rest. Well, three of, you, three of us call, he's calling into. Anyway, say, God's calling me into rest. Dana was just saying this morning, you know, January, it's such a good time to just be cozy, you know. Well, God's calling you spiritually into rest, into a place of rest. It says, for he who's entered into rest has himself ceased from, uh, from his own works, as God did from his. Therefore, verse 11, uh, it says, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, talking about the children of Israel. I like the plain old King James version on this, and it says in verse 11, Hebrews 4, 11, he says, let us therefore labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And I'm not going to go any further than this, but just to say this, has anybody ever noticed that it is a labor sometimes to enter into rest? The whole thing we've been talking about today, you know, because it's easy to float downstream and take the cares of the world. It's not easy in the long run. But God's saying, hey, stand up, stand up. You know, sometimes we drown in the bathtub and and God's saying, stand up, enter into rest, enter into rest. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. There is a rest that he's called us into. That doesn't mean we're going to hibernate for the next three months, but it means we're going to walk in a place that he's designed for us, new creations in Christ, to walk in. It's a place of victory. It's a place of power. It's a place of allowing him to move in our lives, in our loved ones' lives. That's where you're going to be powerful, folks. 
when we try to do it ourselves and make it all work out just right, it's futile. Labor, therefore, to enter into rest.